Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan. So happy to be with you here today. I'm here with my big sister, Julie Dolan, who's in Dallas, Texas. Hey, Julie, what's happening there in Dallas? Hey, Leanne. It's good to talk with you. I'm always happy to It's Tuesday. I'm excited, Leanne. <laughs> yeah, I realized it sort of came in a little blasé, but we have a huge show because it is a supersized Downton Gabby today. It was a supersized episode of Downton Abbey this weekend. We have done some thorough preparation for this recap. Uh, there is speculation about what we're going to see in the finale. And it's hard to believe there's only one Downton Abbey left. I started to get a little sad, didn't you, this Did week? You? I know. I know. This episode in particular, when it's going, you're going to be able to watch this over and over again. It would just had so many different elements to it. So, yes, I don't know what we're going to do. I know. Uh, and I'm then just... also the good wife is ending. So for me, Sundays are really going to change because those I, <laughs> those two things have been building blocks of basically my whole week for the last six years. So uh, so we are going to get to Downton Abbey, supersized version, much speculation on the Facebook page about who's going to who's coming back for the last show and who might die for the last show. We're going to talk about that. Um, Julie, you have the final word on how to get a good night's sleep. It's exciting. I've got a number for you, Leon. a number. This is it. This is going to change your life or at least your nights. Okay. That's what I'm going to tell you. We're going to talk about the tyranny of perfect. It's a new book out, but it's been excerpted in more magazine. Julie wants to tell us about, well, you've been trying to be perfect for many years, Julie. Are you? I know I have. I know, Leanne. I know. And I've given up, but, um, and now I have the justification for it, but there's a lot of perfection going on out there, Leanne, and we just have to stop it. Well, there was a funny post on our Facebook group that just made me laugh out loud because it just took me back to, you know, back to the days of competitive volunteering. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And you have a pick and a pan. Um, but first of all, we have to acknowledge that it's two excellent days today. According to, I don't know, the internet, uh, it's National Toast Day. Which I thought Who it was the year of toast. I thought it was the year of toast. I, I'm glad toast gets a day, but I think it's been the year of toast, don't you? <laughs> I, I feel like there have been other National Toast Days, but we're fine with that because you and I, you know, we launched the campaign to bring back toast yeah. when toast went out of favor. But uh, And I think we've done a fine job with that, Leon. And I'd also like to acknowledge National Banana Bread Day, which, <laughs> I mean, I love banana bread. And last week for my birthday, my friend Susan, who makes wonderful banana bread, she brought me like my own personal loaf of banana bread. So I don't know if she was anticipating National Banana Bread Day or not, but banana bread is delicious and it okay. does deserve its own day. Well, Lee and I have to ask the obvious question. Did you toast the banana bread? <laughs> I totally did. Totally did, Julie. With the little mascarpone cheese on it. Mm. Yeah. And some pomegranate seeds. So it's, I know you love those pomegranate seeds. It's just I mean, a refreshing yeah. nugget on anything, a pomegranate seed. So excellent days. Happy National Toast Day. Happy Banana Bread Day. And Julie, isn't it, wasn't yesterday Margarita Day? Did you celebrate Margarita that? Margarita Day. I did not, Leanne, but I saw lots of pictures on her Facebook page, people, you know, mixing up margaritas, you know, and... Uh, uh, I feel like you could still sell. There's still time to celebrate National Margarita Day. So, yeah, and wasn't it just 
drinking wine day the other day. I mean, again, who is making up all these days? We want to get to the bottom of that. Okay. We'll have to do some research. Or not. Who's in charge of days? Yeah. Or not. Just let it be. I I think it's fine if the internet decides today we drink margaritas. Today we eat banana bread. I'm fine with that. Those are not life-changing decisions, you know? (laughs) I think those are the decisions that the people can handle. So I think it's excellent. But um, I, I just want to say I had a fantastic four-day birthday weekend. I did not anticipate having such a big celebration for my 51st birthday, which is really it's, not It's an exciting. off year. It's a bad year. Yeah. Man. Let's just face it. Yeah. It's neither here nor there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But yeah, good, because I failed to wish you happy birthday on our last Tuesday's show, and I felt a little badly about that. No. So, uh, you know, so you had a good celebration? Yeah, it just kept it kept going on and on and on, but in a good way. Sometimes I am not a big birthday person, and uh, you know, I enjoy celebrating my birthday, but I'm not someone who is like, what are you going to do for my birthday? I'm going to take the day off for my birthday. I'm going to do I'm, – I'm happy to be acknowledged with a card or a posting on Facebook or whatever, but I don't – I especially don't like birthday celebrations that go on and on, but this one just kept going on and on, and I enjoyed it. I had two friends take me out to lunch on my actual birthday, which was very nice. My husband was out of town, so there wasn't going to be any celebration with him. He didn't get home till 9 o'clock that night. And then one of our Satellite Sisters listeners contacted me. She was going to be in Pasadena for a beautiful modern quilt show. So she she jokingly said, not jokingly, she invited me. She goes, would you like to take a tour of the quilt show? And I couldn't say no because I like quilts. I do think of them as works of art. I was interested in the material, and it was really like a mile from my house. So, And it fit into my birthday afternoon schedule beautifully. I had lunch with my friends. I went to see a quilt show, which was absolutely beautiful. I'd like to thank Jennifer Price for extending an invitation. She got me a press pass there at the quilt show. We wandered around for about an hour and a half and saw all kinds of beautiful modern quilts. They were spectacular, Julie. I put a whole bunch of and pictures. You posted some of that. You posted some of those on our Facebook group page and also on Instagram. Yeah, they, they looked like dramatic, dramatic, spectacular. Uh, unique, um, really, it must have, and colorful, so colorful. And stunning. Some of them were really strong political statements, like really works of art as political statements. There was one that commemorated the Boston Marathon bombing. You know, there were others that uh, sort of one very emotional quilt that one that was made from um, the quilter's brother's jeans. He had died from cancer, and so she incorporated all his jeans and his shirts into a beautiful quilt that just made a really powerful statement and you know it was surprising how moving uh these quilts could be they were like living breathing works of art it was wonderful and jennifer was a great tour guide and i'd like to thank the modern quilting guild for inviting me uh to wander around because i absolutely loved it so that was great and then there was a yoga class after that i enjoyed that and then on saturday my husband arrived home late from houston um friday night and Saturday morning, he surprised me by saying, let's go to the Getty Museum. And it was a Okay, be- way to go, husband. I know. Okay. That's he good. Just, he, had a pl- he had a plan, Leanne. He, I, I like that. We did not drift forward like we do many Saturdays with me asking endlessly, so what are you doing today? Do you do, what, is there some, are we doing something today? <laughs> <laughs> I like how you say that, drift forward. Yes. Just, <laughs> so, and, you know, when you work out of your house, 
Like on the weekends, you like to leave your house. And my husband yes. is gone most of the week. So when he comes home on Saturdays, he does it. So that yes. is one of the big differences that I found. Like I like to get out and about on the weekends because I'm here all day, like sitting in my bed. In my bedroom, working eight to 10 hours a day, and he is not. So, but we went to the Getty Museum. We got up. I, unbelievably, I have never been to the Getty in Los Angeles. They're, they're, this is the spectacular one up on the hill. You've never been there, Leanne? No. Uh, Julie, I don't know how I missed it on class field trips. <laughs> you know, I hated volunteering to be on field trips. That was the worst volunteer duty. <laughs> Barrick, uh, my husband has had taken our own mother and father, not once, but twice to the Getty. But those were usually times when I was working on polishing the silver for Thanksgiving. And I would just say to him, please get them out of the house. And they would go (laughs) to the Getty. So I, (laughs) one time I was supposed to meet a friend and his plane was late and we didn't get there. I've had several like attempts, but never made it. So it was an absolutely gorgeous day at the Getty. It was, it was packed with families. It's just a lovely place. It's totally free. Apparently J Paul Getty just bought everything in France and moved it to Malibu. Like they had yes. so, they have so many works of art. It's yes, just, they do, holy it's cow. spectacular. It is a must see. If you, if you, if you're visiting LA, uh, it is, I would put it on the, you know, top 10 places uh, to go and see. In it LA, is. I no mean, doubt. for the last five years, I basically pretended that I went to the Getty. When people say, oh, oh is the Getty no, worth no. going to? Oh, yeah, go to the Getty. Yeah, it's totally worth going to. I was just lying. <laughs> you know, it's like reading Moby Dick. Yeah, it's a great book. Read it. Uh, no, it was, it was unbelievable. It was a beautiful day. And then we, you know, we met Liz for lunch. Again, we never see Liz on the weekends because we only live 25 miles apart. But in Los Angeles, that can take two hours so i called her up saturday and, I'm like, and liz is always traveling so the last thing she wants to do on the weekend is travel so right yeah so well, we that's had good. lovely good. lunch lovely late birthday lunch and then a uh, sunday we just i had the kids over sunday night for dinner it was family dinner and then last night two of my good friends hosted a lovely dinner for me for there were seven of us girls night out dinner where there was laughter and there were party hats and there were petty fours and there were gifts and flowers and cards and we just had so much fun so it was like four solid days of birthday fun excellent it was excellent that is plenty of birthday celebration plenty little plenty Plenty. you know what you've had plenty and i declared i said next year i'm just i'm gonna take the birthday off let's do this every other year like (laughs) you know i'm good for like that's yeah. good yeah you're set good every other year but it was fantastic but thanks to jennifer who set the quilting thing up and it was just a really fun beautiful weekend i really enjoyed it so um good. so thank but you, you to have all another weekend you have another weekend coming up you're coming to austin texas like, i am coming you're to not austin, texas. Me, but you're going to austin right well again austin and dallas are not the same city correct we're, we're... they are not the, okay they're not close <laughs> Land. Not okay. the least bit close. I don't okay. feel badly. There's no guilt associated okay. with that. No, uh, I don't. Like it's like people saying, "Oh, I'm coming to San Diego." Well, good. I don't live there, so good for you. I or you know, or San Francisco. Like we're not. It's not the same city. California is a big state. Texas is the same. So, but uh, we have confirmed that there will be a Satellite Sisters meetup. We're doing it on. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to look this up, or else I'm gonna absolutely get the date and the time wrong. Um, was I? I can't believe February is ending. That sort of surprised me. So uh, the meetup is going to be Thursday, February 3rd from 5 to 7. No, no, no. 
No, March third. Uh, March third. Sorry, Julie. March third. Thursday. You messed it up right away. Okay. Thursday, March third, from five to seven at what I believe is a classic Austin hangout bangers. So, which is like a German beer garden and sausage. And uh, it got the thumbs up from several Texans and people in the area. So I will post more about this on the Facebook page and also on our website, although our website is a little wonky right now. So I will do my best. But that is it. If you are in the Austin area and would like to swing by, it is a casual no host meetup at Bangers uh, soon, uh, <laughs> very, very soon because February is ending. So March 3rd, five to seven bangers in Austin. So that's yeah, it's always, it's always tricky when you have like a month end in the middle of a week it is. and then you get a new month in that same week that, that really throws a lot of people off land. So yeah, yes, it, I understand that, but yeah. a good choice, a German place. Yeah. You know, we have German heritage. <laughs> You know, there are a lot of Germans that settled in Texas. People don't always know that. But uh, so I, I think it's going to be good, Liam. I think yeah. it's going to be a good choice for you. So thanks to Betsy. Uh, you know, Betsy was there in Nagadocious with you. And she's going to yes. be there in she's going to be there in Austin. She is our <laughs> she's been deputized to run Texas for the Satellite Sisters. She's yes, our she is. campaign manager there. <laughs> And she will, she'll be great on social media too, Leon. I, I know there's going to be a lot of pics, so I'm looking forward to that. Good work, Betsy. Yeah, so. and she's bringing her son, and I think my husband may be there. I can't guarantee, oh, but oh, he... Well, that is a bonus round to have a spotting of a satellite sister husband. Yeah, so, so yeah. yeah, I thought he had a, a work dinner. That's why I picked that night. But no, turns out he was not invited to that. <laughs> okay, and... So he's, he's he has German heritage as well. Yes. So he's, he will enjoy that. That's exactly so I what I said. And I look exactly what I said to Betsy. I said, that's a great choice because he loves a German beer and a German sausage. So excellent. So that's the plan in Austin, Texas next week. Excited to go there. Okay, Leanne. Well, I wanted to tell you about an article I read. We're sort of shifting gears here, but I just, it was it's so well done. I want to call people's attention to it. It's written by Deborah Sparr, and she's the president of Barnard um, College uh, in New York. And she wrote an article in the February issue of Moore magazine called The Tyranny of Perfect. And this is really, and it, it starts off in this article, it's about her own, her own life. And here she is, she's president of a university and she, you know, it was uh, springtime in New York and she had arranged to take, to go with her husband and her three children for a weekend in the country. Okay. And she had just planned that they were going to have a nice barbecue, that they were going to make apple dumplings, she, that there was going to be swimming and canoeing. And well, it didn't quite turn out that way, uh, that immediately she started screaming at her 12-year-old child who had failed to wash their hands before starting to make something, make, prepare some of the food. She was yelling at her 18-year-old because the 18-year-old was just morose and uh, just yeah. not helping at all. And then she was mad at the 15-year-old who apparently was sick but had failed to mention that he was sick before they left. And then because she was screaming at her kids... Her husband mentioned that, and so she started screaming at her husband. So all in all, just, Sounds relaxing. just a wonderful, perfect weekend. But she was, she was making the point that women, you know, feel buffeted by this ever-expanding set of wholly unrealistic goals 
for a successful work life and a successful home life, that you have to be sexy, you have to be sophisticated, you have to have your hair, your nails have to be perfectly done, you have to have Pilates arms, you have to have, she calls it Gerber babies and husbands that care, that that increasingly women are in a position where they are trying to do more and they're trying to do it all perfectly, you know, that even more so, I mean, she, she gives a very, you know, um, specific example. When you think about Halloween in the 1970s, if you were around, it was essentially, you got yourself some kind of mask from the drugstore and your mother sent you out with a pillowcase to collect candy in the neighborhood. Well, you can't do that now. Halloween 2016, that's not what happens. It, you know, it's elaborate costumes. You've got to have pumpkins that are carved a la Martha Stewart. You know, you've got to have extensive decorations, but you know, everywhere we look, social media, television, every, you know, we just now have such high, you know, high standards, perfect standards of all aspects of our life. It's killing us. It is. I know. And it's not helpful when it is reinforced. I don't like to blame the media for things, but it's reinforced so much in the media. You know, every interview you've ever seen with a, you know, young star who's had a baby makes it sound like it's the best thing ever and they lost their baby weight and this is what their baby shower looked like. And it's just real. It's perpetrated by other women in the media, which is shocking. Right, right. I mean, she asks the she poses the question in this uh, Moore magazine article. Do you know anyone that is doing it all perfectly? And she said, of course, her, her answer is, of course not. But when I read that, I was like, well, yeah, I look around and I, <laughs> I see people. They, they seem to be doing it pretty perfectly. Yeah. You know, they have the job, the perfect kids, the perfect house, the perfect husband. I don't know. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're screaming when I'm behind closed doors. And I assume that they are. But, you know, she was saying that we now have we you know, we just have this these collect what she's calling collective patterns you know, of, you know, that with such high goals and that the only way to break out of this is to start, you know, setting like more humble goals uh, and more realistic goals about what really should happen, you know, in your home life, with your family, with your friends, at celebrations, you know, in, you know, what you can expect in the workplace uh, and what you can expect of yourself, you know, sort of physically, intellectually, you know, emotionally and all of that. But that does, that sounds hard to do. That sounds hard to get out of this trap of perfection. But once you do, I think it's a huge relief. Like what, but it usually takes like hitting low. (laughs) Usually takes a breaking point like that weekend in the country where you're yelling and screaming or a volunteer activity that absolutely puts you over the edge or, you know, on a more serious note, like something your child starts to suffer depression or anxiety or something really serious. There's a glitch in the fabric of perfect and you have to sort of restock and take a step back. And then it's just a huge relief. Once you get off 
you know, the, once you get off the perfect track, it is a huge relief, but it, it's right. really hard to do because yeah, it is this like giant train that's moving forward and you just have to get on it. And you see with, um, you know, take that, take the, take the Halloween example. Like what I saw yes. over my years of school volunteering was like, we would do one nice thing one year and then the next year would have to be bigger and more successful. And the next year after that, right. even bigger and more successful. And oh, now it's a fundraising thing. And now we have to make more money and more money, more money money. So the original purpose was just totally lost because, you know, everyone was sort of gearing up to do it better and better and better. So yeah, it's maybe simple is okay. And I think you're right. I think you reach a point one way or another. And a lot of times it's through some kind of traumatic event that you just like, this is where you're chasing the wrong things that this, this doesn't make sense. It's not, you know, you're not going to feel any better, you know, and, uh, and you really got to focus on what's the most important to you, you know, and you got to let the other stuff go. So, uh, well, this weekend I'm, I'm actually doing, um, I was asked to appear at a charity event. It's a fundraiser for, uh, parent ed classes that go from, you know, infancy all through teens. And, um, they were fans of the chaos chronicles and, the organizing committee, a friend of mine came to me and said, oh, will you do this? We want you to be like the speaker, the entertainment at this evening event. And um, I said, <laughs> I said, yes, because it's my friend. Uh, and then I realized, oh, gosh, that's a lot of work. I really haven't. They essentially wanted me to do like a 20 minute stand up about modern parenting. And I had to keep explaining. Oh. I don't I don't do stand ups. You know, I people say all the time, oh, you should be stand up, but that's a totally different thing. And so please don't set that expectation because then people expect you to come and do joke, 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 joke. But I can put together some funny material. And I realized, oh, I haven't done straight up parenting material in a long time. You know, a couple of years, it's not like uh, I just automatically have a 20 minute great monologue ready to go on modern parenting. So I spent the weekend, I spent all day Sunday and yesterday looking at old columns that I had done for Working Mother and for the Chaos Chronicles blog and for Oprah.com where I read all about this stuff. And it was so much of it was this notion now looking back that I have an 18 year old and a 20 year old, like what mistakes I made, like when I was trying to be the perfect parent or, you know, trying to get them, shape them up to be the perfect kids or trying to shape up our house to be the perfect house. And, you know, that is where it all falls apart. But there was a line in one of my pieces that stuck out and it's not funny, but it was true. Uh, and I think it's still true where I, I wrote, um, you know, parents used to want their children's to, children to have better lives than they did. But now we want yeah. our children to have better resumes than we did. Oh. And, uh, and, I, and I see that. I see this intense parental pressure where we live. And, right. you know, kids are doing things in high school that we used to do maybe when we graduated from college, <laughs> you know, internships and summer programs and study abroads and all of this kind of stuff. And, and that just takes its toll on the whole family. That sort of march towards like build the resume, right. make it perfect, get it right. It's just, it's exhausting. And I, so it was kind of interesting to take a look back. And I, I do sort of focus on one point where it was just a breaking point for me where I was doing Satellite Sisters six days a week. I had young kids. We used to record the show on Saturday mornings. So for me on the West Coast, that meant getting up at 4 a.m., doing the three-hour show. I get home by like one. And there was one time when I actually, for three years in a row, I was a MC at a fashion show. <laughs> 
like a kiddie fashion show. <laughs> and again, the intent was all good. Like, but it was, I remember sitting in this fancy club in Los Angeles and having this this overactive volunteer barking at me because I wasn't reading the copyright and I had worked six days and my husband was God knows where with the kids and probably hadn't fed him. And I look around, I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. I'm here with other people's children raising money for even other people's children. Where are my children? What am I doing here? (laughs) What is happening? How did I get here? And after that, I just said, no, everything I was asked to do on the weekends. I completely rejiggered all of that kind of stuff, but it does take a huge breaking point. And I was just sort of reliving it all this, this over the last couple of days. So it's funny you should mention this. So or not funny. Her book is called uh, Deborah Spar is her name. The book is called Wonder Women, Women, Sex, Power, and the Quest for Perfection. Mm -hmm. And the tyranny of perfect is the article that's in more magazine, but it's just, you have to make choices to set more humble, humble goals. I mean, that's her only solution. Uh, because, uh, you know, it is just, you know, we get in this, you know, on this treadmill and it's really hard to get off. And you can, you can do it. The world will yeah. not cave in, you know, right. you can say right. no to things. You can, your child you doesn't have the dishes in the, in the sink. Yeah. I know we criticize Madam Secretary every week, uh, <laughs> here at the Satellite Sisters that nobody's doing the breakfast dishes in that house, but, uh, you can leave them in the sink. Liz, you know we love talking about frame bridge, don't we? We do. <laughs> because, because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there? Right. Anything. You can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. But Liz, you recently had quite an exciting frame bridge experience. Would I, I you like did. to share? Would you like you know, to? I talked about how when we were at the Bruce Springsteen concert, I was with our brother Dick, his wife Susan, his two kids, and one of the roadies threw us the set list at the end of the show, which was amazing to get the actual set list for the actual concert in Los Angeles. And we're like, oh, yeah. Any day now, that's going to be in a place of honor in their home. Sure enough, Leon, they have already frame bridged it and sent it to us with a picture. So I'll be in Bend next week, so I'll get to see it. But it's just excellent use of the frame bridge resources, the Bruce Springsteen set list. Fantastic. And this is gift giving season. So if you have a graduation coming up, a wedding, a shower, Mother's Day, Father's Day, look around. I'm sure you have something fun you can frame and Framebridge can do it for you. It's easy and it's affordable to frame just about anything. You get fair and transparent upfront pricing based on the size of your item. There's a great selection of frames. And as we've said in the past, fast service, free shipping, rate or gifts. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Liz, not many things in life give you a happiness guarantee, but Framebridge does. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they will make it right. So if this but sounds you like- you're going to be happy, okay? Yeah. And that's just the Satellite Sisters promise. You're going to be out. You're going to be happy you did it. See why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit Framebridge.com or see a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's Framebridge.com. Thanks, Framebridge. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support Satellite Sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we We love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day, just look no further than Osea. Spoil the moms in your life with the little luxuries from Osea. 
the moms, the stepmoms, the bonus moms, the people who bring a touch of something special to your life, aunts, grandmothers, they would love a little Osea this Mother's Day. And you can get 10% off your first order by using our code SATSisters at OseaMalibu.com. And Liz, you know what every mother and mother figure needs? What? More moisture, Liz. They need more moisture in their skin. <laughs> in no their kidding. Skin. I mean, really, the creams, the lotions, the oils. I love it all. That duo they have going. Oh. Like, you can't miss with the duo of Osea. Liz, the mega moisture duo. Yes. You can you can literally see your skin get firmer. And it just delivers <laughs> this full body glow. Okay, you know we have raved about the Andaria Algae Body Oil. Mm-hmm. Well, pair that with the Andaria Collagen Body Oil. Youthful, Liz. A youthful glow is going to (laughs) happen. And it's infused with Osea's signature Andaria seaweed. So it just smells so delicious, doesn't it? I know you're talking about giving it as a gift. I also suggest just giving it to yourself (laughs) because you're worth it. (laughs) That's that's true. That is absolutely true. Okay, that moisture duo I mentioned too is a great value because you can save 16% plus the extra 10% with our code Sad Sisters. So this is it. This is a win-win-win Mother's Day gift. Spoil the moms in your life with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code Sat Sisters at oseamalibu.com. And you get free samples in every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. So head on over to oseamalibu.com and use code SATSisters for 10% off. Thanks, Osea. You can totally leave them in the sink. Yeah, there's a million choices you can make to not be on that treadmill. Well, one of the uh, Kathleen posted on our Facebook page uh, last night, which just made me laugh, the Satellite Sisters group page. We get new members every week. We love seeing you. So just check in with us. All you have to do is ask to be a member and we will approve you. Um, but Kathleen wrote, what is up with competitive volunteering? I spent a lovely morning sorting Girl Scout cookies, which I know from my friends who are Girl Scout moms. That's like a full-time job. With two scouts until another mom showed up and was comparing our efficiency to hers. Why? What's the point? Who are these people? This competitive volunteerism. Oh, there's a lot of funny comments too, but that's it. Like, you know, just, it's just Girl Scout cookies. But a long time ago, it stopped being just Girl Scout cookies. Everything is bitter, bigger, better resume building experiences for all involved. And it's, it's crazy nuts, crazy nuts. It's it's this quest for perfection that we just... Uh, and uh, we got to really step back from it. Yep. So we're starting here. I mean, it's easy for Satellite Sisters. I think we're setting a prime example uh, of the imperfect link. So uh, <laughs> we're good at it. Okay. Um, I have another story for you, Leanne. Okay. And this is this is thirty year over 30-year struggle with my husband to find the right temperature for sleeping in our household. Okay. For my husband, it's somewhere about 40 or 50 (laughs) degrees. That's what he would like. I mean, he would really be happier just sleeping outside most, most nights. Okay. And for me, I know I like it cozy. I like it more like 70 degrees. Okay. But there is some new research out today. 
today um, reporting that there is an ideal temperature for sleeping, that research has been done, and that you, in fact, will get fall asleep, get a better night's sleep if you set your thermostat to 65 degrees. That this is this is you know the optimal um, uh, temperature for uh, for sleeping. Do you do you like it cold when you're? Sleeping? I do like no? it cold. That is right about where we are. So yeah, for sleeping, yeah, we're down at like sixty four, sixty five. Yep, and okay. then you can pile the blankets on, and if you want, you know, you can. But right. yeah, my husband likes it cool. I also like it cool. Okay, well I don't, and so anyway, <laughs> but this is that's good for you because. You know, when you think about it in a, a modern culture that we have pretty much eliminated, you know, sort of the, uh, the daily cycle of temperatures, you know, that if you lived in a tent, you would notice that it was warmer during the day and colder at night. But because we live in modern buildings where the temperature is regulated, you don't always see that. But we, in order to get into our natural sleep patterns, we should, we should be reducing what we really, what the scientists say is that you want to drop your core body temperature two to three degrees in order to initiate sleep. Oh, that's okay. Okay. So, and that let's say you, you, you know, you're still having another, so, so setting the thermostat to 65, another way, again, to induce sleep through, through temperature is to take a bath at night, Leanne, because, um, because when you get out of a bath, your, your core body temperature will naturally be uh, more chilled than if you got out of a shower even. Now, this research is coming out of London, and you know how crazy Brits are about their bathtubs. So I think there may be some bias in that, but you might want to try it. That a hot bath works the same to cool off, to, to reduce your core body temperature. That's very important. Okay, that now, doesn't the make th- any sense to me at all. Why? To take a hot Why, bath? A hot bath reduces your core temperature? When you get out of the bathtub, Leanne. Well, I guess if your house is like, you know, 40 degrees, but... Okay. Okay. It's reason. Just try it, Leanne. Okay. Just all I'm saying is stop, stop arguing all and right. just try it. And then the third thing, which, uh, you know, they said that you will find that because you're sleeping in a cooler envi- environment, your extremities are going to, are, are going to naturally cool off your toes, you know, your fingers might get cold. So it's perfectly fine to put on socks. Perfectly fine. That can help your sleep too, to keep, to, you know, so you, cause if you have cold feet, you can't, that's going to wake you up. Yeah. You right? can't sleep with cold feet. But it, yeah, okay. <laughs> this is really so, some heavy hitting research. So the Brits say yes. take a bath and put it on is, socks. Man, I've, I've been fighting about this for 30 years. So I found this like, I mean, it's humbling. I'm just going to have to go with the lower set um, yeah. thermostat in our house. I'm just going to have to face it because that's better for us, you know. But there is a new product out. It's called an eight sleep tracker, and this is a mattress cover. And that for couples, this allows couples to manage the temperature on different sides of the um, of the mattress. So if you like it warmer and your husband likes it colder or your partner likes it colder, then you can do that. That's called eight sleep tracker. What do you think about that? <laughs> no? Apparently you don't have this problem, Leon. but I'm saying if it, yeah. there are people out there that have this problem, that just fight about the temperature all the time. So that's it. <laughs> or then you've sleep. done them a service. Done them a great service, yes. Julie. Just turn down I the know. temperature and get yourself some socks, is what I would say. <laughs> okay, Leanne. Um, 
I um I have a you know it's Tuesday and occasionally I do some picks and some pans on Tuesday uh and I have one pan for you which is again it's a movie that I have not seen but I saw the trailer <laughs> and nobody should go see that movie The Witch have you seen the trailer Oh for that my movie? gosh it looks fantastic you, Oh you my gosh so? it's getting fantastic reviews It I is supposed to be terror uh, just a terror field filled you know two hours set in you're never gonna sleep if you if you watch that movie yeah no i'm not gonna go because i don't like scary movies but no i think i mean the movie is getting brilliant reviews so don't go because you don't want to be scared but don't go because it looks bad it looks great i I don't want to go because i was going to be scared okay Okay, right, then that don't, go. I don't go. I'm not going to go. I'm yeah. Go. Uh, but Leanne, I do want to recommend a book uh, by Janice Y.K. Lee. And the name of the book is The Ex- Expatriates. She is the author, uh, New York Times bestselling author of The Piano Teacher. Did mm-hmm. you ever read that book? I did. Yeah. Okay. So she has a new book uh, and it's set that's uh, about expatriates living in Hong Kong. Um, and it's the story of three women and these women are perfectly imperfect is what I'd say. And this book is just fantastic to read. It is, it is, I couldn't put it down. I've recommended it to a number of people and I want to recommend it to the satellite sisterhood because it's just a great book. It's, um, if, if you like, cause I was an expat. I, you know, it is so well done from that perspective, like all of the things that she talks about and how people live, you know, in some, in some of these places, um, I could really relate to, um, but the women in the book, the characters are just, you know, just so interesting, so different, um, so strongly written that you really have a great deal of empathy for the three main characters in this book. So the name of it is called The Expatriates by Janice Y.K. Lee. Yeah, it has been getting great reviews. Of course, I thought of you when I saw it because, um, you know, you were an expat. So, oh, that's good to know. You're the first person I know that's actually read it. But yeah, it's been getting great reviews. So that's a good one to put on the list. Excellent. All right. Well, so don't go to the witch, but read ex- the expatriates. Excellent. Yes. All right. We are going to take a quick break and then come back for our supersized Downton Gabby. Um, it really, even if you didn't see this episode, I think you're going to enjoy this recap, Julie. <laughs> We've worked hard on it, right? Uh, oh. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Take a break. We're the Satellite Sisters. We'll be right back. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm here with my sister, Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. And this is our weekly recap of Downton Abbey. We call it Downton Gabby. And we are ticking down to the final episode in a couple of weeks. But this week's episode was a supersized portion of the best of Downton Abbey, I thought. Julie, what did you think about this episode overall? Wow, oh wow, oh wow, Leon. It had everything in it. And um and I think you know, that's it was just so many storylines coming together, so much good stuff, so much emotion, drama. It was it was really well written. Everything about it I loved. Yeah, absolutely. The show was it was just B A N A N A S, wasn't it? It was bananas. <laughs> it was bananas this episode. <laughs> 
We finally bananas. We got marriage proposals. We got marriage unproposals. We had, you know, we had. It was just we had the big fight that we'd been waiting for for six seasons between Lady Lady Mary and Lady Edith. We had uh, we had scandal. We had a suicide attempt. We had, you know, the triumph of the teacher. Just a lot happening here. And I agree. I think this was the best written episode in a long, long time. I think we finally got some great scenes that dived into the character relationships and real emotion there were a bunch of shows last season i thought were just slogging through kind of the logistics of a household but i felt like this one the writers really dug deep they gave the characters great monologues don't you absolutely absolutely Liam. and i think let's just hand the emmy to lady mary because oh. this was her episode i do not think there are enough superlatives for how good she was. You hated her. You loved her. You cried with her. You rooted for her. And finally, you were just really concerned that, like, Lady Mary and Henry Talbot would injure each other with their cheekbones when they kissed. <laughs> My gosh. Were those the two best-looking people in England getting married at the end of the show? My I know, Leanne. I just, I love it. I think he must keep a top hat in the boot of his car, mm -hmm. right? I just hope. keep some morning suit ready to go for any occasion. Let's so, hope. To me, it, Lady Mary has always been the most interesting character in the show. And I just really thought she brought it all home in this episode. She had a great show. I, okay, I think but let's not Edith as well. Edith had her best show ever. All the power to Edith. She she had she had quite an emotional journey in this episode as well. Lately. She did. And it's sort of, you know, she made her bed and then she had to lie in it. And when that happened, she got really mad and she called Mary the B word. What was that? And she got to yell it twice. It was exciting. That was scandalous. It was exciting. And then finally, just how kooky was it that Spratt showed up as, as, as the uh, advice columnist in the magazine? All season long, I was wondering, why are the writers spending so much time on this character? That's just not sort of the rules of TV writing. Like when you name a character and you keep going back to them, there has to be a payoff for that character. You can't ask the audience to care about someone and then not give a payoff. And then there he was as Miss Cassandra Jones, Spratt, showing up in the office of the magazine. <laughs> I did not anticipate that. Did you? No, I, I, had, I had no idea. I kind of knew it probably wasn't going to be just, you know, uh, you know, a regular person. Right. That it was, you know, th that some mystery was going to be revealed. But it was a great sort of upstairs, downstairs um, a twist to uh, to the mystery. So I like that. Yeah, I thought it would definitely be a man for sure. But I had no idea it was going to be Spratt. So that was really yeah. fun. All right, let's take this episode in, um, in order, Julie, because there was just so okay. much to dive through. Sometimes we do themes or sometimes we do characters but in this one we just have to take it for what it is it's the second to last out navi episode first of all can i say i'm proud of us that we have we don't know what's coming in the final episode i haven't read anything have you read anything no no yeah I, i'm stayed in my cone of silence i i think our downton gabby reports uh, uh reflect the fact that we do no research <laughs> for for this we just watch we watch the episodes 
and we bring our comments. To that it. is true. Sometimes I go to do a touch of research and the next thing you know, I have to, uh, I have to click out because I do not want to know what's going to happen. You see the headlines. So we start the first opening scene. We learn, oh, there he is. The sergeant is back. Sergeant Willis with more news. Who has Bates killed? And no, we find that it's actually Mrs. Patmore's house of ill repute that he's there for. We speculated <laughs> that something was happening last week when we saw the photographer outside her new B&B. And it turns mm-hmm. out, yes, there was an adulterer, an adultering couple. Adultering? What is the word? The couple yes. of adulterers using her B&B yes. as their romantic getaway. And the wife, the husband was following the wife. He had photos taken. And now Mrs. Patmore's little nest egg, her dream of a B&B, has all come crashing down under the scandal of a, a, a local newspaper scandal. And everyone but Mrs. Patmore thinks this is hilarious. <laughs> I know people are howling. They're laughing so hard. Anna and Mary, I mean, I've never seen them laugh like that. They just, everyone is enjoying this. Everyone at Downton Abbey is enjoying the fact that Mrs. Patmore is running the house of ill repute. Okay. Except for Mr. Carson, because of course, Mr. Carson feels that this is going to reflect poorly on Downton Abbey. But, uh, 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 I I felt badly for Mrs. Patmore because, you know, she's really put her heart and soul in this little B&B and she's churning out those excellent breakfasts. I know. So we're going to follow that along. And then the, the storylines really get going because we learn uh, that Bertie's cousin dies. Now, Bertie is the agent of a famous estate, of a famous house, the Lord of Hexham or whatever, Lord Hexham. And, yes. uh, little, and we find out that his cousin has died in Tangiers. So that is all very suspicious, don't you think? Just the word Tangiers. Yes. Um, right. But Bertie is the one who's asked Edith to marry him, and he seems like a lovely chap, and they seem well-suited. But, whoa, what happens? We do not know, but we find out that Bertie is the next in line to be the Marquess of Hexham. First of all, I did not know how that was how you said that word. Marquess. 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 I thought it was Marquess. It's Marquess? Like, what is that? Yes. what? It's just a funny British way to pronounce it. Lena. I know. That's I thought all. it was Marquis or Marquette, yes. but Marquis. That's okay. That sounded wrong. But uh, Edith announces, uh, you know, with very, she's very cool about the whole thing. Like, well, what do you know? My, my husband has now inherited a giant estate and I'm now going to be more powerful than you. And yeah. Oh yeah. That was not going over well with Mary. She didn't like that one, one bit. I thought Lord Grantham was just, just going to burst, uh, burst his, the buttons on his shirt. He was so excited about the fact that they, that one of his daughters had actually reeled in a Marquis. A mar- Marquess, whatever, however Marquess. you say it, however, Marky Mark, however you say it. He actually uttered the phrase goody gumdrops. And I think it's a sign that he should no longer be involved in any anything with the estate. I'm glad. That, I, I, I mean, just stick with the puppy and, and goody gumdrops. So, yeah, he's totally psyched. And he announces to the whole family that now Edith will outrank us. And except Mary, the look on Mary's face, it was really like she had sucked a lemon, right? right. And then, Total sour. Plus. Yeah. Yeah. And then I like the fact that she didn't even believe it. Like, I don't even think that's true. <laughs> well, it is hard to believe when you saw Birdie. Okay. So that, that, you know, the man who could not take public transportation, you know, the man that's always showing up late and you know, having to carry his own bags and walk around. Okay. But there were some alarm bells with Birdie, Leanne. Okay. 
I mean, because he was so close to his mother, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and his mother has a very strong personality. We learned this as part of it. I was like, Edith, don't walk, run, Edith, <laughs> run, get away. That, that, that was going to be trouble, I think. Yeah, and Bertie freaked the whole Grantham family out when, or the Crawley family out when he actually showed emotion about his cousin's death. Like when he actually choked up, they had no idea how to handle that. Yeah, just <laughs> please I, go to your room. Please yeah. go unpack your bag or do something. Yeah, but don't sit here in the you know library and be blubbering. You know they they don't go for that. They're Brits. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz. My hair from Pros is getting rave reviews. Leon, I am not surprised. You have been on that Pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. From their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. I, do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Lee and Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when it's, my hair's really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you, you're the boss. I'll take it. <laughs> you tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay, and I'm I'm using it. Pros mm -hmm. isn't just better for you; it's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty free, and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. So, Pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, Pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. Liz, summer is coming up and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling sure. there yes. with, your, with your butcher box. What, what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in, in Bend for part of the summer, yeah. I'm having my box sent there, Leanne. That's I mean, great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what uh, what what I'm recommending. Yeah, either way, you're just gonna buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, you I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good. And the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. Butcher Box gives you peace of mind and easy to find high quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's a hundred percent grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones, and as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because yeah. it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. 
I said something familiar there. <laughs> yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. So, but the pressure is really on Edith now to tell the truth about her secret baby, Marigold. And, you know, it didn't seem that much pressure last week when he wasn't going to be the Marquess, but now yeah. that he's oh, going to... In- Marquess. <laughs> I don't even know what he's going to be now. Lord Hexum. Okay. So he's now going to be Lord Hexum. Uh, and, um, but now, you know, that Cora is on her, so that she's got to tell the truth. Rosalind, the aunt, is on her that she's got to tell the truth. Lord Grantham doesn't really want to, you know, queer the whole deal. He wants her to have a little bit of fortune, but even he knows that she has to come clean. And uh, the only one that doesn't really know that is Edith. I mean, so just remember that, okay? When things get rough later, remember, Edith had it within her power to change her life, and she did not. So uh, I'm just saying, I think, I think people are dumping all over Mary and Edith, Edith really made her own bed there. You know, I mean, that's a big secret to hide the secret baby, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yes, it is. Okay. Just saying. I totally agree with you. The secret baby is it. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. But the whole group goes back to being English when Henry Talbot shows up unannounced and, you know, he pretends he's grieving over his friend, but there's no tears with Henry Talbot. You don't get any blubbering in the library, right? You just get dashing and, oh yes, oh yes, terrible, terrible tragedy. And order is restored. So they can just go back to being British over that, right? Mm -hmm. That was excellent. I was, you know, he just happened to be in the neighborhood driving around in a sports car, but of course he has, you know, he has formal dinnerware in the boot, as, mm-hmm. uh, as they would say. So he's ready to go and will, and ready to spend the night at Downton Abbey. And Mary is none too pleased, but there's nothing she could do now because the invitation has been extended by Cora. So even though she tried to break up with them and she swears it's over, here he is looking fine, looking just very fine. So now we go downstairs because they're having a whole storyline down there too. Mosley has the opportunity to teach at the local school. And so he goes, he's prepared what he thinks is a boffo, you know, lecture for the first day. And uh, the kids at the school are basically throwing papers at him and not listening. And he's totally in over his head being Mosley again, isn't he? Right. I know. I know. Because, you know, he's he's very earnest. He's, you know, he's really excited about this opportunity and, you know, to get out of the life of service and to be in education where he always wanted to be. And he was hoping to really impress the kids with, with um, just his knowledge and his, you know, and his lesson plan, but it didn't work out that way. No. And, and so I'm thinking, I was thinking in the episode, oh, it's a disaster. He's going to quit. He's going to go back to Downton Abbey. Right. It's going to be trouble but he but he sort of sucks it up land he, he you know he, he he doesn't complain about it and he tries to work out and, and he decides to go back in and teach another day right yeah he reassesses the situation i thought it was interesting one of his mates downstairs actually said basically keep your expectations low because they're just village children like that yeah. 
That and that was one of the servants sort of mocking their own. So uh, I, I, I was felt sorry for Mosley. Actually, he's never been, really been my favorite character, but there was a lot of humanity in Mosley. There has been over the last couple of episodes. And then we see Mr. Carson just continuing to be unlikable. After five and a half seasons of being excellent, they've just decided to make him unpleasant. So he's going on and on about everyone's bringing down the house of Downton, except for him, apparently. He continues to be a curmudgeon. Uh, Mrs. Pat Moore's grand scheme continues to be ruined. It looks like it's getting worse and worse. Her, Her lodgers are dropping out. The bookings have fallen. And she thinks this is it. And then we find out Daisy passes her exams. So that was a nice moment there. Finally, yeah. Finally, she passes those with high marks, Lee. And I yep. was glad about that. Yep. So I, you know, I think uh, good for Daisy. She worked really hard. And thank goodness. I was a little nervous when he, when he handed her the envelope as to whether or not she passed. I thought, but, oh, no, don't let her not pass. Right. So. Right. No, so that was there, a nice that was moment. dramatic tension. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. And then we see Thomas in the beginning of this episode. He's just practically wearing a sign that says, I'm out of here. But I I know there weren't. <laughs> right. I mean, there was a lot of speculation on the Facebook page, Satellite Sisters last week. Do we think Thomas may try to end his life? I said yes last week. So he he looked terrible, and he was letting it be known to people that uh, he he was going to do something dramatic. So that's happening downstairs in the beginning of the episode. Then we have to go back upstairs because, you know, Henry is – Henry's on board, and we want to see what Henry wears to dinner, and it's good. But Mary is not having any of it. She's furious that he's back uh she's she she cannot wreck do you think she's really a snob i mean is she really a snob i think she is a snob she yes, just can't I, reconcile she, the fact that he has no prospects you know right right that she you know she is a snob she's proud to be a snob she has accepted the snob's life and and that henry just doesn't fit into that but she put on that black sequin dress with i know those midnight blue evening gloves I mean, whew, she looked amazing. Right. If she wanted to, like, cast him off her, that was not the outfit to do it. I mean, she, like, never. <laughs> right. And then she was, like, demanding that her mother get rid of him. I'm like, stop with that outfit. And and then there's a dramatic scene. She sort of storms out of the after-dinner drinks, and Henry follows her up the stairs, and she, she kind of pulls a reverse pride and prejudice there, where she basically tells him, like, against my better judgment, I've fallen in love with you. But it's very harsh. She makes it very clear to Henry. She doesn't want anything to do with them. And so much so that he does end up leaving very abruptly in the morning. But meanwhile, we know, but he said that he just, he, but, but he, but you have an idea of Henry's strength and that, you know, he, uh, that Mary has met his match, that this guy is not cowering in front of Mary when she gets all snobby on him and stuff like that. I mean, he just stands there all tall and beautiful and handsome and, you know, and he takes it, Lynn. He takes it. And, uh, and he's coming back for more. He is not giving up on Mary. You know what? I may have to stop this recap and just go watch it again. I mean, you're right. That was a good scene. That was a good scene. And then we get to the critical scene for Edith because Bertie, he has to go to Tangiers to do something with the Lord Hexham, his cousin, until he becomes Lord Hexham. And so he pressures her in the hallway as they're going to bed. Please say yes. And she has that moment there, Julie. I am sure we were all doing the same thing, screaming at her on the TV just to say, tell Bertie in the hall, tell Bertie in the hall about the secret baby. But she does, 
She doesn't. She doesn't. It's do on it. her lips, but then she swallows it and yep. kisses him instead. And yep. so she's consented to the marriage without talking about the secret baby. Right. And so the next morning, oh, that was awesome. Mary comes that down. Was, that best one of the. I mean, just did you scream in that scene? Yeah. What? Just, <gasps> it, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. a screaming scene. If you have not seen it, you, you're going to scream in it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mary comes down. Everyone's like, "You're late," and she's like, "I'm not late." <laughs> I just thought that's the best. Don't tell me I'm late. I'm not late. But she's shocked that Henry is gone. She, she can't, you know, she's shocked and heartbroken that he has in fact walked out on her. Like she told him to leave and guess what? He left because, right. you know, he's not going to stand there uh, and he's going to regroup. Um, but there's Bertie and Bertie wants to announce to the whole happy family that uh, they're engaged and they have some news to share. And then you know it, Julie, you know oh. that Mary is going to say something, don't you? I was like, don't go there, Mary. Don't go there. Just you, you made the one comment about you know, some vague comment that could have been passed on and, you know, Bertie wouldn't have been wiser, but she went there. She went all the way. Right. She, she said, how lovely of you to, you know, uh, given Edith's past, her checkered past or something. And then Edith ha finally has to spill the beans that Marigold is my daughter. I have a secret baby and poor, poor Bertie. Yeah. I mean, that's a shocker. That's a shocker at that breakfast table. I mean, that was a shocker. <laughs> and Tom, Tom, again, is gobsmacked. I mean, there's no other words. He just, because he just cannot believe that Mary did that, that she, you know, just destroyed her sister like that. And Edith just took it, right? Yeah. What well, there's, she again, she, well, it's true. It's not like it was a lie. She has a secret baby. Right. And like she... <laughs> This guy he comes from a very well-to-do family with a mother who's very proper, and they have larger things. As we know, this class of people has larger things to care for than, you know, their actual selves. So it actually matters, like, that she has this daughter, and it matters. And, and we learn that Bertie is not pleased, and he breaks the engagement off because, as he said, not because he he's objects to Marigold, but he objects to the fact that Edith did not tell him. That Edith right. would oh, go. I think he objects to Marigold. Too. Yeah. And, I, I, and I'm sure given his mother, he knew that, you know, grandma was not going to take, uh, it was, or, you know, the mother wasn't going to take little Marigold in. So yeah, that was going to be a problem. Right. So for the second time in Edith's life, Mary has, <laughs> Mary has uh, done her in with the bow. Remember that like hundred year old man she was nearly engaged to in like season I two, right? And Mary right. sort of planted the seeds of, of unrest there. And then this time it was more overt. Now, Edith, to be fair, like turned on her sister Mary and informed everybody that she had had a dead man in her. She wrote, remember, she wrote the letter to the embassy, <laughs> yes, she did. to the Turkish I mean, embassy. These, sisters, <laughs> yeah. these sisters have been going at it, Lynn. They yeah. have been going at Since it. Since the Titanic so. went down, Julie. I mean, so that's just, it's like years and years of bad blood. And they both have their own indiscretions uh, that they are hiding, but they also have both turned on each other equally. So I, I thought it was a fair... I, I mean, Mary knew what she was doing, but when the fight happens, you know, it's the fight we've been waiting for. It's a Titanic fight, really. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, good for Edith. She is. She has come full steam. Okay, she is not going to be put down. It's not the "woe is me" Edith that we've seen for many seasons. She doesn't go. She comes out fighting and swinging, 
and using some bad language, Leanne. Yes. Yeah. That was, I didn't even know that was a word in 1925, the B word. I, 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 that's exactly my question too, that, 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 but apparently it was, Leanne, at least in the, in the countryside. So uh, we get the epic fight. Edith storms off to London and then it's just a total pile on Mary. Like everyone piles on Mary and tells her what a horrible person she is. And you know what? Mary doesn't even care. Mary was like, what was that scene with Lord Grantham? When, <laughs> yeah, she when doesn't she, care. She put Lord Grantham down and then Tom finally gets a good moment. Tom, who's been like this season's Dr. Phil, finally gets yeah. to really yell and scream and show us some acting chops. It also is a little Austin-esque where, you know, Austin often uses the male characters to sort of explain to the main characters why their behavior is bad, like an Emma. So Tom gets his moment there and he gets to really cut loose on Mary and how could she do this? And that was a great scene. And many people on our Facebook page felt Tom looked hot in that scene. <laughs> he looked hot because he's wearing three layers of tweed. That's why he looked yeah, hot. I know. But Mary still is not the least bit sorry. No. I mean, she is not sorry. She doesn't, she is... I mean, or if she is sorry, she's not showing it no. yet. And even Anna piles on. So it's all not so much about like, how could you all have done this to Edith? They tell her that. But then they all, everyone tells her, you're sad, you're miserable, you're lonely. You're going to be sad and miserable and lonely forever. You're lonely, you're sad, you're miserable. I mean, I thought that was a little harsh. Everybody just piled on. I mean. Well, Leanne, think about it. They didn't, they don't have a lot of, you know, Mr. Talbot's showing up at their doorstep right. every day. You know, well, they have I mean, no one apparently now because every scene was just Rosalind, Cora, and Robert just <laughs> standing alone in that. And the dog, and the dog, <laughs> the cute little puppy in the basket who did a, a bang up job in he this did. episode. Just, he did. Just gnawing at the basket. Just plenty. That was plenty. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they used so to have friends over, but now they have the older generation has no one now. They got nothing. So, yeah. Yeah. So this was really, you know, they, they don't get many chances. So she really had to pounce on, on Mr. Talbot if she wanted him. All right. So Dan, then we have to go downstairs because, um, we, we, we see that Thomas actually has attempted suicide. That was a very sad scene, right? Yes, it was. I mean, we talked about it last week. I felt that it was moving in that direction, Leanne. Our opinion of Thomas has really changed. I mean, you know, here he, he was this sort of scoundrel, but over time, we see that, you know, he really, you know, came to like the Downton Abbey family and that, you know, he w- was rejected by all of them. He re- re- was rejected in his attempts to find another job and just really feeling all alone and very depressed. So I really felt sorry for him. And I was glad that so many people came to his aid. Yes. I mean, it really sobered up the entire household. I mean, so much so that Mary had to pour her own tea. So that, <laughs> I mean, woo. I mean, that's a wonder. They could pour their own tea because Carson had to go, you know, deal with Thomas. And then there was that very nice visit in Thomas's bedroom where Mary comes up with Master George and there's, you know, they're drawing, the writer's drawing parallels between the two characters that they're sad and lonely and trying to find their place in the world. And, and Master George did speak in that scene, Julie. How did you feel about that? The same way I always feel. It was terrible. Like, <laughs> just, uh, I wanted to take that orange and jam it in his mouth. No more talking. Okay. All right. No. Really, the- I want those kids like asleep or in strollers walking away. But to give that kid a speaking 
in the line. Come on. He's pretty cute, though. I have to say, little Master oh, George. Oh, please. Uh, you know, that's the other thing. I don't know why there's all over Mary. I mean, Master, how old is George? Like three years old? It's not like it's been that long, really, since Matthew has died. Three or four years. She's allowed to recover. So the pile on about know, you're miserable, you're TikTok, sad, you're lonely. TikTok, Leon. I mean, she's even Mary said she doesn't have that many more years, good years in front of her. So. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's, she's not always going to be able to fit herself into that black sequin dress, you know? <laughs> Okay. So in the meantime, Mosley finds his groove in the classroom. He reaches out to the students of other servants. You know, uh, he reaches out to these, these village kids on their own level and, and says, I'm not fancy. I'm not a toff. I'm, I'm someone just like you. And I see education as a way to get out and change my life. And some, for some reason they listen to him. It actually means a lot to them. And then he slays that divine right lecture. And, uh, Daisy is listening outside and i think we're gonna see daisy moving into teaching in the finale that's what i think i think we're gonna i hope yeah so i think that would be good i think it was a great way to deal with the with the issue of class and uh and authority Mm -hmm. and then there's a scene where bates and anna are talking and i don't really remember much about what they say except i just get the sense that bates has the urge to kill again you know i just (laughs) I know. I know. We don't trust him. I, I, yeah, I was thinking, Leon, I was like, please, no more murders, uh, I, you know, in the, in this final episode. No, nobody else should die. Uh, you know, so I don't know whatever um, homicidal tendencies Bates has, please just, you know, create some dramatic device where He's not able to execute those. To kill again. Right. So then we have to go sure, back upstairs exactly. to wrap up this this extra long episode. Uh, all right. The Crawleys decide to do one decent thing in their lives, and they're going to go down and have tea at Mrs. Patmore's house and save uh, and save the day for her. It's a total PR stunt that they're going to go. There will be people there. There will be a photographer, and they will restore dignity to Mrs. Patmore's B&B. And that was a nice gesture, I thought. Yeah, they were really slumming it and they were enjoying it and they even took a picture with Mrs. Patmore. So very nice. Yeah. And then we have the Dowager Countess returning from the south of France. She has fled there because Cora has stabbed her in the back and she needs time to recover. And she comes back at Tom's urging. Tom is the only one who knew how to reach her. Tom is the only one she really seems to trust. And she comes back and she just has a dynamic scene with Mary in the bedroom that was very moving where we, you know, we see, first of all, the dowager says, you're the only woman who actually likes to be cool and in control and sort of unliked. Like that's your, that's your jam that people don't like you, which (laughs) that's why I like her because she doesn't care if people don't like her. And that's when Mary really breaks down and confesses that she just doesn't want to be a crash widow again. Like there's nothing to do with class and this and that. Although I think it has a little bit to do with class, but um, she doesn't want to be a crash widow again. Very moving scene. It was uh, that was one of the most touching scenes I've ever seen. There's, there was so much love. And the Dowager Countess makes the appeal, yes, tradition is important, but love trumps all. And that, you know, that's really important. And when they embraced, I thought it was so sweet and so dear. I, I loved it, Leon. Yeah. And then Mary goes and visits Matthew's grave to sort of ask for permission to marry again. 
sobbing. I was sobbing by the end of that scene. I, I thought it, that was an unbelievable scene. It could have been hokey. Right. It could have been hokey, but it was beautiful, Leanne. It was, a, yeah, this was really Mary's show. She just, it was a beautiful scene. So, uh, so Mary like kicks in. I mean, she's had quite a day. It's been quite. I was trying to do the timeline on this. I was like, has this just been one really long day or like 24 hours where we had her, her like, you know, ratting on Edith and then we have Thomas and then we have Mosley and then Mary picks up the phone and Henry just hightails it back to Downton Abbey. And <laughs> Wait, well, he's a race car driver, Land. He can get there by tea time, right? And he did. And I'm sure, much like the scene with Edith, everyone on the couch in America was just screaming, tell him that you love him. Tell him. But instead, she gets more tea, which I thought was lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she tries the coolness first. But, you know, that was a great, great embrace, great kiss. Uh, And then she just happens to have a marriage license in his pocket, Leanne. Okay. That's our kind of guy, isn't it? He's ready to go. He's taking charge. He, yeah. And, you know, an uncle who's a, uh, who's a, um, <laughs> not a priest, but a bishop, right? right. Even Mary says. Bishop, well, bishop of Canterbury. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's somebody. They got some church guy. So he's good to go. And they, they're going to get married right away. Yeah. Within yeah. a couple of days, like not a big f- fancy wedding. They're just going to go for it in a couple of days. And, uh, the wedding, Mary's dress beautifully for the wedding, that wedding dress, simple, elegant cream and Edith returns. And, uh, again, an absolutely beautifully written scene between the two sisters who sort of agree that we will never be best pals. But as Edith said, we're the, we're the keeper of memories. We, you know, right. eventually we'll be the only two that remember Sybil and all the others in their lives, Carson and, and all the others in their lives. And I thought that was a very that was just a very underplayed underwritten scene that i thought was great it was great and she talked about the sisterly bond that of shared experiences that no matter what no matter all the terrible things that they've done to each other said to each other they are ba- you know they are bound by their um shared experience so and, we and then that yep and we wrap it up the two best looking people in england get married uh <laughs> just i mean that was an astonishing astonishingly attractive couple and uh, yeah but the wedding like top hats they had the morning suits they had the boutonnieres gorgeous flowers the horse-drawn carriage which i thought was a little odd because you would think they would drive away in a race car i did too i wondered if that was yeah I, i mean that seemed yeah i i thought that was odd too i mean I, I don't know if that was like a nod to there had been so many moments of Jane Austen throughout that whole thing. I wondered if that was a nod to Austen, but um, uh, you know what that might be or obviously to the past, but I thought it was more specific. Yeah. I thought they would zip away in something zippy, you know, that that would have been zipping away to their modern future. Cause doesn't Lord Grantham say something obvious like that? Like there they go, a modern couple, you know? And That's I was right. like, well, not in a horse drawn carriage. Right. And then the last scene is Edith. She's sort of ditched out on the ceremony and she's actually watching her own children, which is so shocking. Actually, she's left unattended with the children. I was concerned for their welfare. Wait, where are the nannies? No nanny in sight. Yeah. Yeah. The day and night nannies. Yeah. And the children are running around in a cemetery. And I assumed that was Sybil's grave. Did you? 
have that sense? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. so now we just have one episode left. It's the big finale. Um, okay. Julie, I have a couple of, a couple, sort of a wish list of what I want the finale to look like. Okay. I don't know if you watched Six Feet Under, that show from HBO no. 10 years ago, but their finale was absolutely brilliant. I mean, it was a show about people dying. So what they did in the finale was they fast forwarded all the characters through their life. And then eventually we saw them die. And I know it sounds grim, but it was a show about death, but it was the <laughs> most satisfying finale because you got like a little life and a little death. You're like, Oh, that's what happened to the character. Like the way they did it was unbelievable. I would love to see down <laughs> do something like that. I could also just go with the nonstop tearjerker finale, like Friday Night Lights or Lost, where I pretty much just cried. The minute the music came on, I started crying with Friday Night Lights, and then I was sobbing by the end. Or maybe it's like a Mary Tyler Moore thing where the whole lot of them just group together in that giant front hall and, like, shuffle out the front door together. Well, I don't know, Leanne, but I, I, I'm hoping there will be a great celebration, okay, in this final episode. I think we need something, you know, I don't know whether it's Christmas, another wedding, but I want to see everybody as dressed up and as dolled up as possible, and I want to see lots of incredible flower arrangements. Okay. Okay, <laughs> um, okay. That, good. That's that's what I'm looking for in, my, uh, in the final episode. I would like... Like Tom needs a love interest. Yeah. I want to see Tom like in, in the corner, you know, of the grand hall, you know, making out with that cute editor. Yeah. That's what I would like. Yeah. I agree. Anna, I, I do not want to see her in childbirth, but if she wants to, you know, have a baby in her arms, that sounds great. You know, yeah. I really don't want anyone else to die in this. No, you know? me neither. Um, I, uh, Isabel, I do not think is going to get back with Birdie in any sense. Uh, whether or not that Nazi boyfriend of hers comes back, I don't know. Okay? So Edith, you mean not, Edith, not Isabel. Edith, Edith yeah. Edith, yeah. not not Edith. Edith with the boyfriend. Uh, and what about Isabel? Do you think she and Dicky, uh, uh, Lord Dicky, will get together there? No, I, I actually don't. Yeah, I don't think that. I don't think yeah. there's going to be that. That's he. He doesn't okay. do much for me. So I feel like you know Isabel and Violet are going to live out their days together. <laughs> so. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I. I, I, mean, yes. I think. I think that. I think the themes of family and love and, you know, supporting each other were really evident in this past episode. So I would like to see that just really ramped up in the final episode. Okay. And as for those kids, no more talking. The only way I want to see those kids is if they do some fast forward thing and they turn into hot looking teenagers, then they can have lines some dialogue so i'd like to see the dog a little theo a little bigger you know yeah. maybe another little puppy friend that would be good but i don't want anything to happen to lord grantham you know i just just one big celebration at the end would be great a oh great julie i like park. it yeah. yeah 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 that would be that would just be with as much production you know stuff as they can do not a simple little party just like they need to have some giant Downton Abbey event. That's what I would like for the final episode. Okay. And that would require, I would just like to see Henry Talbot in a tux or the entire episode. So that sounds like okay. it fits with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, we, we don't just... want to see him in, in those racing overalls no. again with that Snoopy, the Snoopy helmet on. No, he doesn't need that. Just keep him in the tux with the top hat. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right, so not next week. Next week, you can watch behind the scenes. Obviously, it goes up against the Oscars next week, and PBS isn't stupid, so they're not going to put the finale up against the Oscars, so that's why it won't be until that first Sunday in March. So we have plenty of time to speculate. We have plenty of opportunity to rewatch this episode several times uh, beforehand to be completely ready. I I thought it was fun, like I've noticed places around here having a finale watching party, like the Huntington Library in Pasadena has having a public view party but i don't want that i just want to be alone in my house on my couch yes. where i've watched it alone for six years <laughs> so. me too and i don't want anyone talking to me no. i don't want to have to explain any characters or back backstories yes i want to be home alone that's where everyone should watch downton abbey <laughs> all right we are the satellite sisters uh thank you for joining us today we know you have lots of speculation so feel free to to join our facebook group there's a lot of downton abbey discussion there if you have found us through the downton abbey recaps we welcome you to the satellite sisterhood we have lots and lots of podcasts you can download at itunes or at our website satellitesisters.com all right julie have a great week You too, Leanne. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.